Hey, mic check. All right. I think we're working here. I think we're good. Welcome. This is, well, this was going to be a bonus hour. I had already recorded a few minutes of a uh, bonus hour. And the whole time I was kind of thinking, man, I should probably just be live. This is going to be more than an hour long show. And uploaded videos never do as well as streamed videos. I should just go live. And then, uh, Devolve already messaged me on Telegram and said, hey, are you going live tonight or are you recording? And I was like, I'm just recording. Dang it. I'll just go live. So here I am. This is Just Human number 161. So once again, I promised you guys a bonus hour. I don't have a bonus hour. I have a bonus show or just another show. It's Saturday and I'm just going to do a uh, a whole show. We've got, what I got lined up is a little bit of DOJ and Donald Trump news related to the Mar-a-Lago raid stuff. And then I've got a little bit on Adam Schiff. And then the main thing that we're going to do this evening, it feels weird to say this evening instead of this morning. Instead, The main thing we're going to dig into is a massive, massive Dawson thread on the indictment of uh, swampy Republican uh, Rivera, who has been swampy for a long time and who has narrowly escaped a few times, it seems. And, but Dawson put together this amazing thread earlier this week. And um, I'm just going to go through it. It's uh, it's fire, and that's going to be the main course this evening. Hope you all are doing well, having a great weekend. This weekend has been insane with all the Twitter files already. There's going to be more Twitter files tonight, supposedly, and then some more tomorrow. It's like a three-parter. And I'm expecting that on Monday, I will cover those. But I'm also thinking about the Cary Lake lawsuit. Um, Cary Lake filed a 68-page lawsuit in Arizona. Super interesting. Um, I've been trying to decide if I want to just read that lawsuit on Monday's show, or if I want to go through all the Twitter files on Monday's show. Um, they're both so massive. It's kind of like one, one or the other is all I would have time for, I think. So, um, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, thanks for being here. Thanks for spending your Saturday with me. If you enjoy the show, please hit the plus button or the thumbs up over there on rumble. That helps me out a lot. I've noticed that lately there's been, um, I, or I've noticed that lately, like in the past week or two, I've made like the top 50 videos on the Rumble battle board. Thanks to y'all hitting that plus button. Um, I'm beating out shows that have more views than mine do because of y'all hitting that plus button or the thumbs up, depending on what you're watching. And um, I really appreciate that, guys. That's really cool. And it's all because of y'all boosting the show over on rumble. Thank you very much. If you like the show and you want to help support what I do, buymeacoffee.com slash just human is a place to go or just human.substack.com um, is, is those are the two ba- best ways to support what I do. Um, you can also get my podcast through my Substack. So if you're interested in a podcast version, that's the place to go to. And then if you want some merch, it's Christmas time. If you want some merch, you can go to red, white, and bourbon 45.com. I have merch there or go to bensonhoneyfarms.com, buy some honey and use rep code just human. All the links for this stuff are in my link tree and also in the description of the video on rumble. All right. With that out of the way, I've got some stuff for all you 
all you nerds. Thank you for being here, humans. Appreciate you very much. Let's go to the first topic. Hey, folks, I'm Foxhole. Hey, Foxhole, lighten up. Awesome. Thank you all for being here. Okay. On Friday's show, I mentioned how the Justice Department... Um, actually, I need to be on this page. I mentioned on um, Friday's show about how the Justice Department had asked the judge um, that's overseeing the grand jury to hold Trump's office, his lawyers, in contempt because they're saying they haven't complied with the Justice Department's demands to turn over all these documents. And I said it's probably not going to happen, but if it does, it's only a daily fine. Well, on Friday afternoon, they agreed that they would hear Trump's, um, I believe it was Friday afternoon, they agreed they would hear, the judge agreed they would hear the Justice Department's case or their filing, their complaint, whatever, about holding Trump in contempt. They were there for about 80 minutes or so um, in the in the courtroom talking with the judge. And ultimately, the judge declined. Not really surprising. This is what the judge had to say. A federal judge in Washington on Friday ended a hearing without acting on the Justice Department's request to find representatives of Donald J. Trump's post-presidential office in contempt of court for failing to comply fully with a subpoena demanding that he return all classified documents he had taken with him when he left office. Two people familiar with the matter said they said that the judge left it to the Justice Department and Mr. Trump's team to resolve the department's concerns about whether the former president might have more classified documents at his properties after more than a year of efforts by the federal government to retrieve them. It was unclear after the closed door proceeding if the judge, Beryl Howell, had left open the possibility of ruling on the matter at a future date. Several news outlets have filed a letter asking the judge to unseal the proceedings, including the New York Times. Yeah, Kyle Cheney of Politico and the New York Times have both filed. And I just checked their cases, their uh, their cases that are filing for grand jury subpoenas and grand jury filings to be unsealed. Uh, there's been no activity, uh, not since November 15th um, on those cases. So the, I think they're just going to die. The judge isn't going to unseal this grand jury stuff. Judge Howell had been asked by the Justice Department to decide whether to impose financial penalties or issue a contempt finding in, if no one from Mr. Trump's office agreed to state under oath that, to the best of their knowledge, all of the classified materials he took from the White House when he left office last year have been returned to the government. The 80-minute hearing in federal district court in Washington was held after Mr. Trump's team acknowledged having turned up more documents. Remember, they found two more documents in a storage facility in Fort Lauderdale, I think it was. They used a private team to go look for them. They also used a private team to look for documents at Bedminster Golf Club and at Trump Tower, which is pretty curious. If the Justice Department is so concerned with these classified documents... Why are they letting private teams go look for them? If the Justice Department is so hell-bent on getting Donald Trump, then why aren't they just raiding these properties themselves? Why are they allowing Trump and his people to go look for them? Doesn't really make a lot of sense. So anyway, the judge said they're not going to hold Trump in contempt. Now, if they did, or Trump's office, I should say, if they did hold Trump's office in contempt, a daily fine, big deal. Um, doesn't really, I don't think it matters that much. But the media reported as a victory, of course. Now, I do want to say that I would not be surprised to see Trump Tower 
and Bedminster Golf Club visited by the FBI in a quote-unquote raid soon. And what I'm going to look for with that, if that happens, is does the media get a heads up? Because with Mar-a-Lago, they didn't get a heads up. And that's one of the ways we know, or we can reasonably know, that this isn't DOJ after Trump. And this isn't bad DOJ, bad FBI doing these ra- this raid in Mar-a-Lago. Because if it was, they definitely would have leaked it to the press. They definitely would have made sure that the press was out there with as many cameras as possible, recording FBI agents going in and out of Mar-a-Lago. And we would have been subjected to six months now, almost, of seeing that footage every single day. And they would never stop playing that footage until well after Trump died. They would play that footage over and over again, drilling it into people's psyche that the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago and they would show that footage over and over again. So I'm really interested to see if the FBI does visit Trump Tower and Bedminster Golf Club. Are media there ready to film it? You know, like they were with Roger Stone um, and, so, and so many others. I want to know if they're going to have, if they're going to be alerted to it. If they're not alerted to it, that's another really good sign. Um, although FBI going in and out of Trump Tower is going to attract a lot of attention You're not going to be able to hide that near as easily as you could hide them doing that at Mar-a-Lago, but maybe they go covert. Maybe they don't have jackets with bright yellow FBI letters on them and they just wear plain clothes and go in and out and they raid the property without anybody realizing who they are. I don't know, but I just would not be surprised if that happened soon and the main thing I want to know about it is does the media even get any footage of it? We'll see something to watch for next topic. Adam Schiff has been acting hysterical lately. He's been getting into Twitter fights. He's been, um, sending letters to social media. He's been making the rounds on um, the MSM stations. And he's trying to tell people that J6 committee is definitely going to make some criminal referrals, namely for Trump and Rudy and a few others. Now, I can't remember if I made this point. I think I made this point on the show, but I may not have. A criminal referral from the J6 committee is just a post-it note. It's just, it's just a little note to the DOJ saying, please, please, please indict somebody <laughs> that we don't like. Um, it doesn't carry any extra weight. It does, there's nothing special about it. It literally is just a post-it note, um, a request. And DOJ doesn't have to do anything with it. But it's very likely that J6 committee is going to make some criminal referrals because it fits their narrative and promotes their narrative and the media can do these victory laps and all that kind of stuff. So I would expect that it serves our purposes, whether or not DOJ complies with it. But what will happen, I am sure, if there is a criminal referral from J6 committee to DOJ 
is that Garland will simply tell the J6 committee either nothing or he'll say, I've already turned the J6 investigation over to a special counsel and I will leave all indictments up to him. Simple as that. So I don't expect anything from this. I would not get worried about it. I know that MSM and conservative incorporated media are going to go into hyper mode, hyper reactive mode when these referrals are made and they're going to make it seem like Trump's about to get arrested and all this stuff. Just let that stuff slide because it it literally means nothing. Uh, They're not going to care about it. But I got into a conversation on Twitter with a guy named JD last night. And I think I know why Adam Schiff in particular is in hysterics. I was talking to JD. I shared this Trump truth. And JD said to me, wait until we find out who was asking Twitter executives to censor the president of the United States before the election. And so I replied, hmm, who hates Trump and has also been having a public outburst in reference to social media companies in the past few days or so? Oh, yeah, that would be watermelon head Adam Schiff. He's been going bonkers lately. And I recalled, you know what? I went back to the to uh, the Technofog substack that I read on the show. I think it was last Wednesday. I read this on the show. And I was like, I remember FBI agent Chan talking about congressional staffers visiting Twitter. So I went to go look this up. From Technofog substack, most recent substack. Around this same time, there were visits from congressional staffers to social media companies. Senior level staffers have even visited Facebook, Google, and Twitter as part of their influence or censorship campaigns. From FBI agent Chan's uh, testimony on the witness stand in the, uh, what is it, Missouri versus Biden uh, case. Question, what what social media companies were visited by the HPSCI and the SSCI staffers? Answer from Agent Chan. To my knowledge, it was the three companies that I've mentioned, Facebook, Google, and Twitter. Question. Facebook, Google, and Twitter. Their employees all told you that they experienced these visits from congressional staffers as exercising a lot of pressure on them? Answer. That was how I interpreted their comments. Question. And then you go on to say, however, later on, intense pressure from U.S. lawmakers and the media would eventually force the social media companies to examine what had taken place on their platforms and strive to ensure it did not happen in the future, right? Answer. Yeah, I wrote that. And you can see that the footnote there says I'm referencing the HPSCI their report on Russian active measures. Question. So you're actually referencing HPSCI, the congressional committee that sent these staffers out to have these meetings that we just talked about, right? That's correct. Do you still agree with that statement as read that, quote, intense pressure from U.S. lawmakers and the media forced social media companies to examine what had taken place and strive to ensure it did not happen in the future? 
Answer, yes. I wrote that statement, and I agree with it. Okay. Well, then let me ask you this. When you say pressure from Congress, and you mentioned HPSCI and SSCI, are those committees? Answer. HPSCI is the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, and SSCI is the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. Starting with the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, what kind of pressure did they put on social media companies to, you know, engage more aggressively with the accounts? Answer, they compelled. I don't know if they compelled. Well, they requested the CEOs for companies that I mentioned to testify in front of their committee. Folks, the chairman of the HPSCI is Adam Schiff. And that's why I say, I think this dog hunts. I think Schiff is acting hysterical because he knows that he sent staffers to Twitter to pressure Twitter into censoring the president of the United States and interfering with the 2020 election. His staffers went there. And he knows that other staffers from members on his committee went there and engaged in this this pressure campaign. And now, with his purchase of Twitter, Elon has the DMs, he has the Slack messages, and he has Twitter headquarters visitor logs to prove it. And all these Twitter files are coming out, and Elon says transparency is the only way forward. And who does that cause to go into a tizzy? This guy. Chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. So. This is such a good show. This is such a good show that we're getting. I hope. I saw a comment over on a foxhole that there's a. Some Twitter files dropping right now. Unchained told me. Awesome. Awesome. I hope that tonight or tomorrow we get we get some uh some receipts on uh Schiff here sending staffers over to Twitter headquarters. That'd be good. All right. Now for the main course for this show. Slave to him. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, five days ago, or thereabouts, former Congressman David Rivera and a co-conspirator, Esther Newfer, hit with eight-count indictment. This is a Republican and a swampy guy. Swamp, swamp, swamp. He was hit with charges to conspiracy to commit offense against the U.S., failure to register as a foreign agent, conspiracy to commit money laundering, and transacting criminally derived property. This guy's been in a lot of trouble over the years. A lot. And it all came crashing down on his head earlier this week. And Dawson put together an absolutely just a bomb of a thread. It's This thread is so long and goes in so many directions. And we're just going to go through it and uh, see what we can get out of it. 
we may we may rabbit trail off in a couple different directions and then have to back up and start again, but we'll just see what happens. Okay. From Dawson. By the way, you should follow Dawson S. Field on Twitter. He is one of my absolute favorite follows. And uh, also on his, you want good reading. On his main page, he has a link to his thread reader. And if you go there, you will find a collection of all of his threads organized by most most recent um, it is time well spent to scroll way back in time and read threads from 2019, 2018, 2020. There's a ton of information in them. And uh, I don't agree with Dawson on everything, of course. Um, it'd be boring if I did. But Dawson makes me think differently. And uh, he's a very good researcher. And I love reading his work. So I highly, I, I very much encourage y'all to give him a follow, Dawson S. Field on Twitter. Now, former congressman arrested for serving as an unregistered foreign agent for Venezuela. He attempted to lobby Senator Marco Rubio and used an unnamed White House aide to arrange a meeting between Vice President Pence and his Venezuelan employers. CBS has posted a link to the indictment for former U.S. Congressman and former Florida Representative David Rivera, also indicted as Esther Neufer, a GOP establishment fundraiser who is also based in Florida. They received $50 million to illegally influence the Trump administration and Congress. Earlier this year, Rivera lost a five-year fight to throw out a $456,000 FEC fine for illegally funding a Democratic candidate in 2012. There's one of the surest signs you could possibly get that this guy is a uniparty swamp monster. He runs as Republican and is buddy with a, a fundraiser, and then in 2012, he's funding Democrat candidates, trying to manipulate the election. FEC caught him and fined him half a million dollars for it, or almost half a million. He funded a Democrat primary opponent primary opponent, in an effort to damage his opponent for the general election, but he still lost. This case has been percolating through the system for about two and a half years, since the Miami Herald investigative reporting exposed some of these connections. And see, Dawson links back to a thread of his from uh, June 4th, 2020. PDVSA, that's the Venezuelan oil company, PDVSA corruption case gets even more interesting because former congressman from Miami took $50 million consulting contract from PDSA, PDVSA, and appears to be friends uh, with some of Maduro's friends and getting paid kickbacks from them. Quick comment on how it took two and a half years. I know a lot of people get impatient about these investigations and I get it all the time because I share, you know, I'll, I'll share news stories about so-and-so under investigation or uh, so-and-so got a subpoena or whatever, or, you know, there's a case about this person or whatever. People are like, this is too slow. It needs to happen now. But these things take time. And if you want to take down 
a real swamp monster, it takes a lot of time to gather all the evidence needed to actually take them down and to have a chance of taking down others involved. So it sucks that it takes that much time, but it just does. And that's another reason why I think it's important to count the wins when things come through and we actually do get a, a swamp monster or some, some, something actually happens and somebody gets um, justice is served. Someone's arrested, someone's convicted. I think it's worth pointing those out and celebrating them. Rivera's lobbying efforts included attempts to lobby his friend, Senator Marco Rubio, that seemed to have failed. Though he did man, he did arrange for VP Pence and a Texas Republican rep, Pete Sessions, to meet with his clients. And he links back to his thread again. Why would a one-term Miami congressman be so valuable to the PDS, PDVSA and the Venezuelan regime? Well, he is very good friends with Marco Rubio, who serves on the Senate Select Intelligence Committee. There's no evidence that Rubio knew what was going on. But this guy's probably marketing his connection to Rubio as being a good reason to pay him millions of dollars to try and influence Rubio and others in the Republican Party. Congressman Sessions was convinced to fly to Venezuela and secretly meet with President Maduro to help prevent Trump from placing sanctions on Venezuelan oil. Sessions didn't invite Trump's State Department to observe this meeting with the socialist dictator either. Ooh. Interesting. Rivera and Neuler were also sued by the Venezuelan opposition who was paying them to hold Maduro accountable while they secretly worked with Maduro to undermine sanctions against Venezuela. This case has massive connections to many of the but nothing's happening cases. But nothing's happening is a hashtag Dawson uses for a bunch of cases that have to do with swamp draining and holding criminals to account. He he made it after he got tired of people saying, but nothing ever happens. These people are getting away. And so he made this hashtag, but nothing's happening. And if you search this on Twitter, you'll have, you'll have a really good time. You'll find a lot of good cases to, uh, to read about. And you'll find out that a lot is happening. As Chris Paul said last weekend, everything is happening. Everything is happening. It's just not happening as quickly as we want it to. One case to keep watch for, or let me finish this sentence. This case has massive connections to many of the but nothing's happening cases. Iran, Russia, Angola, Swiss banks, Angola Swiss banks and billions of dollars being looted from Venezuela to make swamp creatures all over the world rich. One case to keep watch for is lobbying effort by Fusion GPS for Venezuela, a campaign that convinced the U.S. Treasury Department and stopped them from adding Venezuela to the watch list for money laundering countries. This is now under investigation by the Treasury OIG. I don't know if you guys remember it, but when I wrote my Substack over a year ago, when I wrote my Substack article about Alex Saab, I found out through researching Alex Saab that Fusion GPS and Glenn Glenn Simpson were operating in Venezuela doing PR work to try and convince the U.S. to not add Venezuela to the money laundering countries list. And 
I was wondering why didn't what more is here? And I, and I dug around and I never found what I was really looking for. But it turns out Dawson had already found this, and Treasury OIG is investigating it because there was a real conflict where um, I remember from the article researching it that. There was all this. There was this list of of countries added to the money laundering list for Treasury, and somehow Venezuela got left off, and it made no sense because Venezuela had already been sanctioned. All right. The Venezuelan corruption also leads to Glencore, the swampy commodities trading firm. Trading firm. Its founder and former CEO Mark Rich required a last minute pardon from President Clinton to shut down investigations into other cases. I identified Esther Newler and Congressman Pete Sessions as likely participants the day after the original stories broke. She is indicted along with former Congressman Rivera. Still waiting to see if Pete Sessions gets his day in court. Wouldn't be surprised if Pete Sessions is indicted too. Would not be surprised. There we go. There's there's new for contributing to Pete Sessions, Win Red, Irina via Reno, and uh, Todos Con Jennifer for Congress. Congressman Sessions was also identified as Congressman One in the SDNY indictment of Parnas and Fruman. Guys, that's one of the groups. That's one of the. Those are two of the individuals that. Rudy Giuliani gained evidence on if you man I keep going it's this is so crazy to go back to my old substacks and see how stuff I found in them and wrote about keeps coming up where is that one there it is there it is and Fruman. No, I don't have it there. Let me scroll down. Boom. From my substack on the Project Veritas fake raid, Igor Fruman, former Giuliani associate, pleads guilty to campaign finance. And then Lev Parnas, ex-Giuliani associate, convicted of violating campaign finance laws. Thanks to Rudy Giuliani and the evidence he gathered on them. And then now we have this case. Congressman Sessions was also involved in that. And then he's involved in this case with Rivera. It's pretty interesting. By the way, Pete Sessions is no relation to Jeff Sessions. Pete Sessions is alleged to have taken donations from Ukrainian hucksters, Parnas, and Fruman. Ukraine just comes up over and over again in swampy American politics, doesn't it? In that case, Sessions helped arrange the recall of the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine that was later used in the impeachment of Donald Trump. Pete Sessions' father, William Sessions, was a former federal judge appointed by Reagan in 1987 to become FBI director. A.G. Barr arranged to engineer Sessions' firing, completed by A.G. Reno, who had no choice with the case Barr made. 
let's see. let's let's go ahead and go to this thread and see what that's about because now my interest is peaked. When you mentioned Bill Barr, my interest is peaked. Pete Sessions has some very interesting connections. His father, William Sessions, was the only FBI director fired before James Comey. His firing was engineered by outgoing AG Bill Barr and then acting AG Terwilliger with approval of President Clinton. AG Janet Reno had asked Sessions to resign, leading to Clinton firing him when he refused. But the battle with DOJ started under Barr who investigated him for misappropriated resources, claiming tax breaks, and getting a shady mortgage from a bank. Democrats tried to protect Sessions because they liked his efforts against the Bush administration. The New York Times tried to spin it as Sessions being a victim of Barr. Some things never change. The conflict arose when FBI Director Sessions attempted to help the CIA blame DOJ for the botched prosecution of illegal bank loans to fund Iraqi arms purchases before Desert Storm. Want to guess what bank it was? It's going to be BCCI, isn't it? Yep. If you follow me, you know the bank was the CIA's own BCCI, but this time laundered through the Italian government-owned bank Banca Nazionale de Lavoro. They have an office in Atlanta. In that case, the CIA concealed evidence from DOJ in order to protect the Italian government and their own involvement in illegal arms sales. FBI Director Sessions attempted to help the CIA blame it all on A.G. Barr. This was also likely part of Spygate 1992 as CIA people wanted to get rid of Barr and were willing to sacrifice even George H.W. Bush to do it. The FBI's investigation of these illegal loans began in 1989 as the BCCI was in their crosshairs following the New York City and Boston mob trials that showed they were laundering money. They were also under scrutiny for Iran-Contra and other intelligence operations. BCCI was funding anti-communist and anti-Iran activities, including those by the Safari Club, a CIA front group run by allied intelligence agencies to do things the CIA could not do legally. Of course, the spin masters for all of these agencies were heavily involved. BCCI was shut down in the U.S. after it was revealed that they had illegally bought and controlled First American Bank. You'll never guess which FBI informant was working there as an executive at the time. His name was Robert Trump, Donald Trump's brother. The Washington Post attempted to blame all this on President Reagan, of course, but ignored or didn't yet know that BCCI and Safari Club had been set up by Secretary of State Kissinger and CIA Director George Herbert Walker Bush to evade oversight by the Church Commission following Watergate. You can read more about the Safari Club in this thread, along with their friends at Davis, Manafort, and Stone. Fortunately, some informant gave the local FBI office a tip about the illegal loans from BCCI through BNL to Saddam Hussein to buy weapons to fight Iran. Reports are they raided it without FBI headquarters being in the loop. And if you follow my show for a while or read Dawson for a while, you know that... Those are all members of the band. Barr, Terwilliger, 
Robert Trump, Donald Trump, all working together in the late 80s and early 90s to take on CIA and DOJ corruption and other corruption. You know, it's no accident that Barr ended up in Donald Trump's administration. And so when when Trump accuses Barr of being swamp, it's kayfabe, guys. It's kayfabe. They've known each other a long, long time. All right, back to this thread. That was a fun little rabbit trail. In 1992, Sessions had backed the CIA and helped undermine the George H.W. Bush administration and the DOJ to block the FBI's case against BCCI, a CIA-connected bank. Prior to Sessions' role in Spygate 1992 and protecting BCCI, an FBI asset named Robert Trump had helped the FBI bring down BCCI and other subsidiaries for laundering money for illegal arms sales, including WMD components for Saddam. The BCCI case started because of mafia prosecutions where Donald and Robert Trump had helped the FBI against the mob. The mobsters being prosecuted by Rudy, Comey, and Mueller, who were using many of the same money launderers that the CIA used in their legal operations. The the, uh, mobsters were, not Rudy, Comey, and Mueller. More members of the band. Huh. Funny how all these same people keep coming up. You guys realize I'm reading something that's about 1989 through 1992, right? And all of these same players keep coming up. Dasting. So dasting. It looks like Rivera tried and failed to arrange a meeting in June 2017 with Trump advisor Kellyanne Conway while she was in Miami. As part of Venezuela's charm offensive, this is according to Joshua Goodman of the AP, as part of Venezuela's charm offensive, Rivera tried to set up a 6-27-17 meeting on the jet of pro-Maduro businessman for an unnamed campaign advisor turned White House counselor. On that same day, Trump aide Kellyanne Conway was in Miami for a dinner, so chances are that's who it was. It is still speculation at this point, but I believe that this may have been an effort to frame Trump for colluding with Venezuela to trigger an impeachment as the Russia hoax was losing steam in late spring of 2017. Then with another attempt involving Ukraine two days later. Now that's something to think about. Were these efforts... By Rivera, whose GOP establishment, getting paid by Venezuela, where Fusion GPS is operating and and trying to convince Treasury to not put Venezuela on the money laundering country list, and trying to work against sanctions that the Trump administration had put on Venezuela. Was this a effort in some way to frame Trump for collusion with Venezuela, who of course has relations with Iran and Russia. Was this an effort to try and get that and try and plant those associations, 
plant those connections within the Trump administrations by meeting with Kellyanne Conway, by trying to get Marco Rubio involved. Um, were they trying to create some scandal between the Trump administration and Venezuela? The GOP establishment tried to blame the BCCI scandal on President Reagan. Maybe hoping rep Republicans would rally around him and protect the GOP establishment in the process. Investigations revealed that the BCCI operations had been set up in the 70s by Kissinger and CIA Director Bush. Of course, when these GOP establishment slash CIA elements wanted dirty deeds done in the swamp, they often turned to some of their favorite GOP operatives. Davis, Manafort, and Stone. And someone asked me today in my chat what I thought about Manafort, or they asked me, was Manafort a plant? And uh, yes, Manafort was a plant. Um, but to be clear, Manafort is Paul Manafort in this, and Roger Stone, it, Stone is Roger Stone. And those, those people I am, I think are very, 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 very dubious. I know that, I know that Stone is popular with a lot of people in MAGA and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very, very skeptical of Stone. And we know that Manafort was a plant, um, so when their names come up, red flags, massive red flags. Um, Stone was working with Proud Boys and Oath Keepers to try and frame Trump for January 6th. Um, that gets buried a lot. No conservative media will report on it because they keep want to have they want to have Stone on their shows and stuff. But Roger Stone absolutely threw Trump under the bus, and it's on video in meeting with Oath, Oath Keepers and Proud Boys on January 5th, and uh, then on January 6th. Uh, can just completely trashing Trump, and uh, yeah, I'm not a not a fan. Anyway, let's head back to former FBI Director William Sessions. In 2007, he was hired by Simeon Mogilevich, considered the boss of bosses in the Russian mob, to get the DOJ to drop charges against him. In 2009, FBI added Mogilevich. Yeah, Mogilevich to the 10 most wanted list and the lobbying by a disgraced former FBI director turned to getting him removed from the list, which happened a few years later. In addition, former FBI director Louis Free, Louis Free is one of the most corrupt people to ever serve in the FBI. One of the most corrupt people to ever serve in the FBI. Went to work for Mogilevich, associate or frontman Mikhail Friedman. Free works for Friedman and other oligarchs lobbying against criminal prosecutions of his clients. Mogilevich made billions off of laundering money between the Bank of New York and his bank, Income Bank. Money used to buy up the USSR's assets and consolidate them into the hands of Russian and Ukrainian oligarchs like Mogilevich and his associates, who served as the middleman for many of these Russia oligarchs and the money laundering. Mark Rich of Glencore, the guy Clinton felt he had to pardon on his last day in office over the objections of the Justice Department. On September 8, 1999, Russian President Boris Yeltsin 
colludes with President Clinton to obstruct this money laundering investigation to help Gore and Putin win the 2000 elections by having FBI Director Free shut down the cases. Where it gets really interesting is two people Louis Free tried to partner with to lobby the Obama and Trump administrations for his clients. Rudy Giuliani and Hunter Biden, two lawyers who both received emails from Free that he marked as attorney-client privilege. Now, this is very important. This is how the, this is how the swamp and other criminals conceal their crimes. They use attorney-client privilege. They make sure to always involve a lawyer in their communications because they can claim it's privileged and that there's legal advice being discussed there. And Rudy Giuliani and Hunter Biden both are lawyers. So Louis Free messages them and makes sure to put attorney-client privilege on those emails to prevent others from seeing them. But... By the FBI seizing Hunter's laptop and 18 of Rudy's electronic devices, a DOG, DOJ filter team and special master got to review all of those emails to see if they were really attorney-client privileged or if Free just titled them that way in order to shield them from law enforcement. In 2016, Free illegally donated money to the trust fund for Bo Biden's children to butter up Hunter, who was running the fund. Working for the Prime Minister of Malaysia, who was later indicted in the 1MDB case at the time. Did you guys think that when I started reading this thread about David Rivera, the swampy Republican getting busted, that we were going to end up talking about BCCI and the 1MDB, 1MDB case and Venezuela and alternate plans for possibly a Venezuela gate and another form of collusion with Donald Trump. The swamp, the swamp is huge and everything's connected. As you can see, Free marked his emails to Hunter as attorney-client privileged and attorney-client work product, even though they would not qualify as such. You can see it right there. Subject, G. Louis Free. This is in August of 2016. Dear Hunter, thanks for your kind note, but it's marked privilege. Vice President Biden and President Obama's administration and DOJ apparently ignored Free's pleas and prosecuted Louis's clients, even while Louis tried to compromise Joe Biden by offering him future work for global swamp creatures. Now that is, gotta say, guys, that's a that's curious. There, that's curious. Louis Free was trying to buy off the Bidens, and for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like it worked on this one. So in July 2016, Free was trying to compromise Joe Biden and others with offers of future work sent through Hunter. Remember, who is an attorney and he's marking this stuff as confidential. It's a good thing he is so careless with his laptops and leaves them lying around to be placed into evidence for grand juries. Funny how Hunter keeps doing that, right? 
funny how Hunter keeps leaving all this evidence laying around. From Louis Free, July 8th, 2016, 10.28 p.m. Reference, attorney-client privilege. Attorney-client communication and work product. This is confidential and privileged. Thank you, Hunter. And I would be delighted to do future work with you. I also spoke to Dad a few weeks ago and would like to explore with him some future work options. I believe that working together on these these and other legal matters would be a value, fun, and rewarding. This decision, which I will read over the weekend in translation, is very timely indeed. I see G tomorrow and will convey your regards. Have a great weekend and our love to Mom and Dad. Warm regards, Louie. Of course, after Trump won the 2016 election, Free had to find new ways to influence Trump administration for his swampy clients. Who did he go to? Rudy Giuliani. That was a bad, that was a bad move. That was a bad move. You would think as a former FBI director that Louis Free would know that Rudy Giuliani is an asset who works against criminals. You would think he would know that. Apparently not. Of course, after Hillary lost, Free's influence with the Dems was of no use. So he hired Rudy Giuliani, who recently had 18 electronic devices seized. Both Hunter and Rudy were almost certainly collecting evidence as assets for the FBI. While everyone believed the fake news that FBI and DOJ were out to get Rudy, DOJ was telling everyone that the targets were Rudy's clients, which would be possibly Louis Free. It's definitely Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman. And now we know Andre Derkach as of my as of this past week. Now this sentence right here probably caused some folks to go, what? Hunter Biden? is an asset. And I got to tell you, conservative incorporated is not (laughs) conservative incorporated media ain't ready for this, but most people, they're not ready to learn this. And it's not a fact. It's not a fact. I can't point you to a document that says it's a fact. But given that Hunter Biden keeps leaving all this evidence everywhere, I mean, he's Hunter Biden is literally loading up electronic devices with tons of evidence and abandoning it with various in various places. I think that it's fair to say that Hunter Biden may be a confidential human source now. Now, I don't think that makes Hunter Biden a good guy. I'm not trying to convince you that Hunter Biden is a white hat or a good guy or anything like that. I think he flipped. I think he used to be bad and corrupt and was a bag man for his dad. I think they used to work for the swamp. I don't think they do anymore. I think they flipped and now Hunter is an asset. Um, D82 cooperating witness that could be a term for it, but I think it's more than that now because he's actually gathering evidence, compiling it, 
and then putting it in, leaving it in places where it can be legally turned over to the FBI to use, regardless of attorney-client privilege. And so that's that's what I think is going on. But I one, I I'm going to tell you guys, I really, really expect that in the near future, like next year, there's going to be a a reveal that Hunter Biden was retained by the FBI as a confidential human source. I think there's going to, that's going to happen. I think within the next year that's going to come out. And I expect all of conservative media to go full on reaction. The FBI is so corrupt. They're so corrupt. They hired Hunter Biden as an informant and like, they're going to, it's all going to go crazy. But I think it happened because he got tired of living that life and flipped and yeah, that's what I think. And I know a lot of y'all are on board with that. So, but I would, I would go ahead and prepare yourself for the news. It's going to, it's going to come out. It's, it's going to come out. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Maggie, that's exactly when I think he flipped is when his Chinese business partner, uh, Patrick Ho disappeared. That's exactly when I think he he flipped. Um, so anyway, it's going to be a lot of fun, but it's going to man the re is going to be off the chain. It's going to be the most reacting phase of like this whole movie. It's going to be when people find out that the FBI retained Hunter as a source. And that's why he hasn't been indicted for anything yet. All right. Another company connected to free is being prosecuted for Chinese linked money laundering through a casino in the Marianas islands. Oh, actually I should tell y'all something, by the way, Dawson doesn't agree with me on this. As far as I understand, Dawson doesn't agree with me on this as, as regards to Hunter. Um, Dawson thinks that, Hunter hasn't actually been this bad guy, but has been an asset for a lot longer and has been doing all these deals and traveling around the world, gathering evidence on um, all these bad actors, such as the ones in Kazakhstan who went to prison after the uh, that that coup that happened there earlier this year, uh, or like maybe it was a, a whole year ago by now. Um, Dawson thinks that the Biden family basically gets accused of all this stuff, kind of how like the, the Trump family gets accused of a whole bunch of stuff. And it's not true. Um, so I'm not fully on board with Dawson's case on this, but I think that, I think that Dawson makes a good one and, um, it's worth thinking about. I'm, I'm not there. I'm not there yet though. Um, and I don't think I, I don't think I will be. I've seen too much stuff that I think, no, that actually does dirty up the Biden family. Um, but there's a mix. And we and as I went over on Friday on my show, the Trump administration told us that there's disinformation about the Bidens that came out of Ukraine that Hillary Clinton purchased from the Podesta group. So we know and I've said this for a long time on the show. We know, thanks to the Trump administration, that there are things about the Biden that are out there. That is disinformation cooked up by the Ukrainians who were trying to help Hillary Clinton in the primary in 2016. Not everything that we have been told the Bidens are guilty of is true and accurate. 
So we have to be careful. We have to demand receipts for what the accusations are. All right. Another company connected to Free is being prosecuted for Chinese-linked money laundering through a casino in the Marianas Islands. Free, Governor Rendell, and Clinton CIA Director Woolsey sit on their advisory board to give them advice on lobbying Washington. Which also gets interesting because before hiring those Democrats to help them in D.C., the Northern Marianas were involved in hiring Jack Abramov and a bunch of GOP establishment members in Congress in the 90s. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Jack Abramov. So many of Louis Free's oligarch clients have ended up indicted in multiple countries since he began communications with Hunter and Rudy to help those clients avoid justice. That 1MDB case that Louis Free was working on when he was failing to get the Obama administration to help obstruct the investigation was a $5 billion fraud that stole money from the taxpayers of Malaysia and was coordinated by Goldman Sachs and Deutsche Bank. This case is global and connects to the swamps in the U.S., China, the U.K., Germany, Malaysia, Saudi Arabia, and so many more. With Hillary's defeat, the 1MDB defendant switched to trying to convince Trump to obstruct the the FBI investigation. The exposure started in 2018 with the indictment of DOJ attorney assigned to assist Congress. His name was George Higginbotham. He was busted for a failed attempt to bribe Trump for a bunch of Hillary donors to obstruct the 1MDB investigation. It escalated to Broidy's 2020 guilty plea. DOJ nicknames for people that aren't indicted. The person behind that failed effort to bribe President Trump to obstruct the FBI and DOJ has the code name President of the People's Republic of China. But the fake news told you nothing happened. PRC, National A, was a citizen of PRC living in the United States on a temporary visa. The government of the PRC, including PRC Minister A and the president of the PRC, were seeking the removal of PRC National A from the United States back to PRC. In, in late 2016 through 2019, DOJ was actively investigating transactions of foreign national A, allegedly associated with laundering proceeds of 1MD embezzlement. 1MDB embezzlement scheme. Say that three times fast. In July 2016, DOJ filed multiple civil forfeiture complaints seeking the forfeiture of millions of dollars in assets allegedly purchased with 1MDB laundered proceeds. On November 1st, 2018, DOJ filed a criminal complaint, criminal indictment, charging foreign national A. So it names President Xi Jinping in here. Final tweet, or I'll never stop. This thread shows the connections of the now removed from power Saudi royals involved in the 1MDB corruption and their use of former UK Prime Minister Tony Blair to lobby China for them. Blair also helped Putin win Russian elections. 
so we just went on quite the trip with this Dawson mega thread. Again, shout out to Dawson for this because I mean, look what he's done. If, if this is like a a showcase, this is really a showcase, a showcase of Dawson's amazing research because he took this one indictment of Rivera and he was able to connect it to all this other research he's done over the past four years, all these other threads that he was quote tweeting back into because it goes that far. It, it the swamp is everywhere. And yeah, he rabbit he rabbit trailed a bit, but it's because of sessions. It's because these swamp creatures and their swampy kids and their swampy banks and their, their swampy connections, they keep using the same people over and over again. And then at some point they get suggested, Hey, maybe you should have a meeting with the Trump organization, or maybe you should retain the services of Rudy Giuliani. And pretty soon there's talking on the phone or exchanging emails with a DOJ asset such as Rudy or Robert Trump or Donald Trump. And then they get busted. It's awesome. (laughs) It's, it's awesome. So here is that Rivera indictment. And, uh, I love seeing, you know, I'm happy when we see Democrats busted for, their crimes for their, um, you know, like swampy Democrats getting busted. But I got to say, I'm actually more, I get more gratification after when I, when I see a Republican, because I, we need the Republican party cleaned up. And I, I love seeing GOP establishment people getting held uh, held to account and getting charged for their crimes. Um, I'd, I'd like to see a lot more of it. We can get this, we can get the Republican party cleaned up. Um, we need it to be cleaned up so it can be the vehicle for change and for the future of the country that we, we want it to be. Uh, Chrissy over on rumble. Thank you for the rant. They say, thank you for making this stuff easier to understand. It can be confusing. I think Hunter Biden is a FBI CHS for sure. He didn't just forget his laptop. No, he didn't just forget it. Thank you for the rant. I appreciate it. Sean Joe over on uh, Foxhole. Thank you for the cookie. Sean brings up like Trump pardoned former Illinois governor Blagojevich, a real dim insider, especially in Chicago politics. Yeah. Um, I've looked into his pardon of Blagojevich and I've looked into Blagojevich's case and I've never found anything that was like super specific where I was like, aha, that's, that's what Blago told Trump. That's why Trump pardoned him because this, I've never been able to find exactly what Blago helped Trump with, but I 1000% believe that Trump pardoned him because he got something out of him. He got, there was something got worked out with Blago where he gave some needed information on corrupt Chicago politics. And it, it was useful in some way. There's, there's something there. 
Um, I, I remember when I was digging on it for a time, there was a, there was a hypothesis that perhaps Blago got set up um, by some other people. And I don't remember the specifics of it, but the Trump's pardon to Blago is really, really interesting. And there's definitely a lot more to it than has been made public, in my opinion. Man, that thread from Dawson is awesome. So much information. So much. All right. So I've got... I've got some things lined up for the next show. And I'm really thinking about... I'm really thinking about reading that Carrie Lake lawsuit. 68 pages. It would probably be the entire show on Monday. Uh, But there's a lot in it. So... I know the Twitter files are really hot right now. Um, and I'm definitely gonna be paying attention to them, but I'm kind of feeling like the Carrie Lake lawsuit is what I want to cover on Monday. If you've got an opinion on it, go ahead and leave, leave me a comment on this show on rumble or on my true social or on Twitter. Just let me know what you think, whether you want it to be Carrie Lake lawsuit or you want it to be Twitter files, one or the other. Um, it doesn't mean I won't ever cover the other one. It's just, I'm just asking what I do on Monday, what y'all would like to see me cover on Monday morning show. So yeah, the part four is dropping right now. Yeah. After I get done with this, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go and, and read it and see what's going on with it. Let me get something ready over here. Okay. see a lot of people saying the lake lawsuit yeah yeah i'm thinking i'm thinking that's the way to go yeah i'm thinking i'm thinking that's the way to go there was something else i was going to bring up with y'all and it's uh it's slipping my mind right now it's slipping my mind what it was there was something else i was going to bring up with y'all what was it Oh, yeah. The other thing that's been on my mind that I haven't covered in detail like I want to, and it's just because the news cycle is so fire. It's like every single day, there's so much news. There's so much, and not, and not just like important news that like big happenings. No day is boring. The other thing I really want to cover in detail is the civil RICO case brought by the Epstein victims against Deutsche Bank and JP Morgan Chase. Um, it got the, from the bank's perspective, it got the worst possible judge, judge Rakoff, um, worst possible judge. He's like anti wall street guy, anti big bank guy. So he's a perfect fit from our perspective for this case. And then it got a trial date set of for June of next year. So I have plenty of time to cover this. It's not like it's, I have to cover it right now. But the um, I've been thinking I want to cover this these indicts the indictments here because it gets into 
Deutsche Bank and J.P. Morgan Chase benefiting from Epstein's sex trafficking. And let me, I'll just read the first two pages to y'all right now. Now, This lawsuit's huge. Um, This is 75 pages against J.P. Morgan. The other one is, uh, I want to say, 100 pages. They're both... They're both basically the same lawsuit. They're getting combined together. But um, let me, I think it's this. Yeah. I just want to read to you these first two pages and you'll understand why I think this is huge and why I'm interested in covering this case. Um, Plaintiff Jane Doe 1 files this individual and civil class action complaint for damages and other relief among under and among other provisions of law, the United States federal anti-sex trafficking statute, the Trafficking Victim Protection Act, and for intentional and negligent acts and omissions under the New York Adult Supervisors Act. The suit arises from defendant J.P. Morgan Chase and Company, herein J.P. Morgan, financially benefiting from Jeffrey Epstein's sex trafficking by providing the requisite financial support for the continued operation of Epstein's international sex trafficking organization from 1998 through August 2013. Get these sentences. J.P. Morgan knowingly and intentionally benefited and received things of value for assisting, supporting, facilitating, and otherwise providing the most critical service for the Jeffrey Epstein sex trafficking organization to successfully rape, sexually assault, and coercively sex traffic plaintiff Jane Doe 1 and the numerous other members of the class proposed below. J.P. Morgan knew that Epstein was regularly committing violations of New York penal law and including especially, and it lists which articles they were he was violating, and acted in a negligent manner so as to enable Epstein to commit such offenses against countless young women. J.P. Morgan also knew that Epstein would use means of force, threats of force, fraud, abuse of legal process, exploitation of power disparity, and a variety of other forms of coercion to cause young women and girls to engage in commercial sex acts. Knowing that they would earn millions of dollars from facilitating Epstein's sex abuse and trafficking, J.P. Morgan chose profits over following the law. Specifically, J.P. Morgan chose facilitating a sexual abuse and sex trafficking operation for many years, including through the criminal investigation and incarceration of Jeffrey Epstein, in order to churn profits. This case is fire. It's one thing if they're just suing the bank saying, hey, you guys were in business with Jeffrey Epstein and he trafficked his money through y'all and y'all didn't even invest, y'all didn't do your due diligence and checking on where his money was coming from and making sure he wasn't in violation. So you owe us, you know, you're, you're, you're liable. You're part, you're partly to blame for Jeffrey Epstein being as successful as he was. So we're suing you. For a little bit of money back to us. But that's not what this case is. It's a civil RICO case. Alleging that J.P. Morgan Chase and Deutsche Bank. Knowingly. Worked with Epstein. That they were aware. Of his criminal sex trafficking. That they were aware of his enterprise. And they went ahead. And engaged in business with him anyway. For the money. 
And I think this may look, the judge accepted it and the judge is taking it to a jury trial. This may be, you know, so many people were looking at the Epstein at the Maxwell case thinking, oh yeah, the Maxwell case is going to expose who all was on the, in the book and who all was on the planes and who all visited the Island. And this case may do that. This case may do that. And the other thing is this case gets at the money behind the Epstein enterprise. It's the money that tells the story. They're going to have, they're going to have to get at who was paying Epstein and how he was, who, where he was getting the money and how it was going into the bank and who was putting it in and taking it out. And this case is huge. So yeah, at some point in the near future, I'm going to do, I'm either going to read this whole case on, on the show live or record it. It's, I mean, it's a long, it's going to be a really long read, but, um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about this case. I think it, I think it has a good shot at going, going the distance. All right. On Rumble, E-S-A-D-M-F. Thank you very much for the Rumble rant. Cigar money for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I need I need some more cigars. I smoked one the other day that I was gifted, a La Flor Dominicana, that I was gifted when I went to Threadfest. And oh my gosh, it was so good. Oh, it was so good. I loved every minute of it. I will definitely take that money and spend it on cigars. Thank you very much. Ideastesia says, for your noble efforts, thanks for the nudge. <laughs> Three by 17, $51. Thank you very much, Ideastesia. And I, I absolutely get what you're saying, noble, referencing uh, that whiskey from, uh, uh, now his name just went, Mike. <laughs> The dirty jobs guy. His name just flew out of my head. Why did his name just fly out of my head? I'm thinking of Mike Lindell is why his name flew out of my head. Um, Mike from Dirty... Man. The guy from Dirty Jobs. Uh, yeah. His whiskey is really good. Noble whiskey. And uh, let me see if he has uh, if he has any up right now. Because it's... Um, it's, it's limited his releases. Let me see. Let me see. Does he have any available right now? Yes. I'm over 21. Mike Rowe. There we go. Rowe is his last name. I'm thinking of Mike Lindell because I just glanced over at Telegram and I saw that Mike Lindell officially is trying to, okay, it looks like he does have some available. Okay, cool. Um, I saw that Mike Lindell is running for speaker or no, for RNC chair. And I don't know. I'm kind of worried about how many people are running for RNC chair right now, guys. We'll see. Yeah. Mike wrote, 
Howard76, thank you very much. I, he says, I always feel better informed after listening to your program. You increase my understanding. That is awesome. I try. That is awesome. I'm, in, I'm, I'm increasing my understanding. Um, I said to someone earlier tonight, uh, Von Hitch over on True Social thanked me. And uh, I commented to him that, you know, I'm trying to break free of the matrix myself and i'm very thankful that so many people want to want to watch my show and and break free with me i'm i'm just like you guys i'm just trying to figure out what's going on um i don't got any special intel or anything i'm or training and not a lawyer or anything i'm just trying to figure out what's going on just like you guys are all right folks that's the show tonight saturday edition i hope you enjoyed it uh Shout out to Dawson S. Field uh, over on Twitter at Dawson S. Field on Twitter. Give him a follow. Read his threads. You will be better informed and you'll realize that not only is stuff happening, everything is happening, as Chris Paul has said. And by the way, I think Chris Paul got activated again on Twitter. He was temporarily banned. Um, definitely give Chris Chris Paul a, a follow. I'm your moderator is his handle. I'm your moderator. He is awesome. I will be on tomorrow evening with Burning Bright over on Badlands Media for our show Defected. And we'll be talking about the news from the past week from a perspective of deprogramming ourselves so that we can reprogram ourselves with our own information. We'll take a look at narratives in the news media and try and talk about things from a 40,000 foot view. So y'all have a blessed Sunday tomorrow. Have a good, safe Saturday night and a blessed Sunday. I mean, we're not going to win every battle, but we are going to win this war. See you tomorrow night on Defected.
quitter. 